In each of us, there burns the soul of a podcaster. In every generation, a few are chosen to prove it. During a pandemic, in the time of darkness and fury, that fate befell two strangers brought together by the internet. An iPod Classic user, Corey, and a guy with two Zooms, Neil, who have to defend our realm from the forces of boredom by watching and discussing every episode of the short-lived television series Mortal Kombat Conquest on a show called MK Podcast. What about backyard wrestling? You ever uh, fuck around with some boys? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say that I ever have. You ever get a big ladder and fuck around with some dudes? <laughs> uh, because I have. Bunch of dudes in insane clown posse t-shirts. Bunch of guys being dudes. And um, actually, quick anecdote. Um, my uh, friend of mine, I think we were in elementary school still probably, or like early, early high school, maybe. No, probably elementary school. Let's go with that. Yeah. Like sixth grade something like that he had a square shaped trampoline and uh we extremely put turnbuckles and ropes on it extremely and made it a made it a ring how do you how do you extremely put things on a trampoline is it just we did it with zeal pound doritos i'm saying we i'm saying we it was probably his dad who did it like they just wanted to because it was cool and uh yeah we would definitely fuck around and do some shit i was kind of a it wasn't super for me uh it's uh, it's kind of scary like i don't trust taking a bump like that from just another child like somebody's bound to get hurt sure and we would on occasion get like a big actual human ladder or chair involved or something not in a way that you're actually you're not actually hitting somebody with it to be unequivocally clear but just the proximity of that to kids being stupid is like a recipe for disaster um I also jumped off that kid's shed one time just God. because because we filmed it. We filmed it and then played it in reverse. So it looked like I jumped off the ground and onto the shed. Holy shit, dude. There's an... Okay. <laughs> keep keep that fresh in your mind. There is yeah. a, an upcoming episode of, of Conquest where they do that exact same thing to make it look like somebody flips up onto a high ledge and you can tell. I don't know if you could hear me typing just now. I literally took a note. Okay. Yeah. Just keep that keep that fresh in your mind. Also, God bless you, Corey. Your little <laughs> wrestling, backyard wrestling story there is now the beginning of the episode. So we have to get back in <laughs> to... Uh... It's a freebie. I got a, I got a million of them. Speaking of wrestling. Speaking of wrestling, it's time to wrestle with complex emotions. Yeah. Let's, on Mortal Kombat Conquest. Let's talk about it. Episode 13, Twisted Truths. Corey. Hmm. Happy New Year, buddy. Let's uh, yeah. Happy New Year, pal. Let's go visit the uh, Corey Corner. Inaugural trip to the Corey Corner. Welcome, Welcome to the Corey Corner. corner. <laughs> Is it annoying six, to overlay this? Six to eight clown horns. Discreet clown horns. Yeah, no, that should take over the air horn slot. I think. I think they have they have different purposes. Yeah, you know. the Corey Corner's purpose though stays the same in 2021. This one's pretty straightforward, which is nice. Uh, so yeah. we have a guy whose name is Tomas, who's from the north, and he uh, was trained by Raiden to fight in Mortal Kombat, and he shows up to Jujin. He's like, yeah, I'm looking for Kung Lao. You heard of that guy? Uh, and he gets told yes. Got a, got, a, got a butt in here right now. He wasn't trained by Raiden. He was trained by a different master. Oh, right. I felt like the way Raiden talked at the end very much implied he was trained by Raiden. <laughs> No, Raiden just knows about him. This this is a, a different master, and I have a. Uh, I'm only mentioning it because I have I have a theory. It might be somebody that we're gonna meet later on in the show. Okay, well, he was trained by somebody, and um, 
he can fight really well and he wanted to train for mortal Kombat. and they're a bit suspicious because it's like dude you just missed mortal Kombat. and also who are you and why are you here obviously kung lao has a lot of had a lot of threats on his life lately um as has everybody sure, yeah and so meanwhile turns out that uh well reptile is here and um vorpax is here and they are working in conjunction with shao khan to basically tarnish tomas's reputation through inconspicuous murder to a point where they will fight and either one or both of them will kill each other and then shao khan has a lot less to worry about everybody wins everybody goes home smiling if you're evil and um meanwhile meanwhile taja starts falling in love with him and uh yeah i'm not gonna say spoilers because if you're listening to this you want to know what happens or have seen this already but uh let's just say things don't end spectacularly well for tamas yeah or taja or uh pretty much anyone but shao khan really or or anybody yeah. vorpax you'd have to ask but everybody else had a pretty bad time she seemed cool at the end yeah Just going off to fuck the emperor as a reward which is really <laughs> not I, I think the the emperor thinks that maybe a little bit too highly of himself yeah well i don't know shao khan's definitely got a big swinging dick <laughs> i mean is that i feel like we got to set the bar a little bit higher than that for like worth spending time around and being cool with yeah no i know i'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast it's that kind of show it's not that kind of podcast it's funny because i love doing this show because at any given time you don't know if the thing you're saying will have all of its context intact by the time you've edited it yeah all right are we out of the cory corner I think so, yeah, personally. All right, I think we're going to, uh, up top here, just take a little uh, few steps over to the uh, to the Neil Nook. Which one of us pays higher rent in wherever these are located? Well, you get a whole, co- I get a, I guess. Well, I mean, if, if Nooks are anything to go by in Animal Crossing world, that's a decently sized little zone you got. Yeah, but that's the kind of thing where, like, when you have a kitchen that barely has room for, a like, a table that seats two. Dude, when I was in third year university, uh, our kitchen was, like one person wide because it was attached to what was also the living room dining room and where the fire escape was which was also a very small room it fit like a tiny tiny couch in it with a chair and like a two-person sitting table but um that's a pretty big fire escape well this fire escape was just the window i'm just fucking around i don't know you might be being earnest and you know the importance (laughs) of being earnest goes to jail or whatever and um in any case uh it was literally like one person wide it was like if you were building in the sims and you made it like one square's width and it was Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. oven sink fridge just in a line and everything was white and decrepit and falling apart yeah neither one of us live there in this fiction that we've constructed no, I, I, of the nooks and the corners and such. Right, right, right. But if you have a kitchen that you could sit like a like a two a two seater table in, and your landlord advertises that as a breakfast nook, that's the size of the the Neil Nook. It's 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 just <laughs> like it's it's the turnaround space in a small galley kitchen. <laughs> it's all about branding, right? Because I feel like um, the word bre- the words breakfast nook have never ever carried more weight than when a landlord is trying to pass off a shitty apartment agreed fuck a landlord there we go all right if you're a landlord you have to stop listening when we say that yeah this if you're a landlord this episode is not this show is not for you unless you're not allowed to listen to you want to pay us money let's go over to the neil nook welcome to the neil nook it's gucci so this episode was written by Steve Hatman and Sean Catherine Derrick, couple regulars. 
She's her name is Sean Catherine Derrick is all over these, and she's all over Defenders of the Realm too. This man. may as well so, be called Sean Catherine Derrick's Mortal Kombat Conquest, featuring the gang. Episode was directed by Chip Chalmers, world's greatest name. Hell of a name. He directed an episode of Miami Vice, a few episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Melrose Place, Nine O Two One O. And he is the uh, head of production for Florida State University College of Motion Picture, Television, and Recording Arts. He, uh, I'm going to put it here, friend of the show, Ben Meckler, Mortal Podcast host, uh, professional Hollywood big shot writer, uh, <laughs> was one of was one of uh, Chip Chalmers' students. We're an yeah. esteemed company. We are, we are. Our new friend, Tomas, was played by uh, Alexander Walters. Canadian. Whose first role was Dunstan Checks In. My favorite thing to talk about in the history of the world. What do you got to say about Dunstan Checks In? It's the best. That's the one where the where the where Dunstan checks in, right? And he never checks out. It's like the Hotel California. <laughs> it's but but about a monkey. What if a monkey or uh no, he more accurately, I believe Dunstan is an orangutan. Okay. All if right. memory serves. And uh, so what what I'm saying is what if George Costanza and an orangutan got trapped in the Hotel California, and that's Dunstan checks in. And there's also a Home Alone kid there, but it's not a Culkin. That's dark. It's life, if you think about it. Aren't we all Dunstan checks in? We are. He also did <laughs> an episode. <laughs> Sorry. I could barely say that with a straight face. <laughs> and ultimately, uh, I did fail. Alexander Walters also did uh, an episode of Baywatch Hawaii, and he did some did some episodes of As the World Turns and Days of Our Lives, and uh, handsome, handsome guy. Yeah, he's got like a fucking chiseled ass jaw, dude. Yeah. I mean, he's got the camera presence, the conventionally handsome face, and the ripped bod to the extent that I assumed he was our special guest. No, no, no. He, our special he guest. has the vibe of like an already established famous guy. He does, yeah. And yet, not the case. And yet, I think he had only been in Dunstan Checks In at that point. And to be fair, if that's not going to launch your career, I don't know what would. Yeah. Jason Alexander, big orangutan. Our special guest, our special guest who uh, was was so special, he gets his name dropped in the episode description everywhere. So special, is... he is every commercial bumper. Yeah, oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, they really... <laughs> They really wanted to show us that Brian Rath Clark was in this episode playing Burly Citizen. They didn't even name him? They didn't name him. At the end of the episode, Shao Kahn oh does mention God. that it was one of his pa- his palace guards, but his credit is Burly so ci- Citizen. So Citizen isn't even accurate then? No, his credit is, is not even accurate. <laughs> At what point do they just credit him as Brian Rath Clark playing Brian Rath Clark? Because he's very much in like a wrestling outfit he's not in a fantasy outfit and he's just doing wrestling moves like oh there's a conveniently raised piece of ground behind me which will have to handle for a turnbuckle though he seems like a big beefy boy who's not really known for high flying moves yeah well you know he gets mentioned in the opening credits he gets a special appearance by brian rath clark in the opening and it was it was a it was. very special appearance. I want to drop a couple little tidbits in here. Our friend J.J. Perry is back. He's doing the stunt fighting for Tomas. Sultan Udin is in here, again, fighting motherfuckers. And I don't think we've named him. He's He's been on a few episodes. Uh, Christopher Leps is another um, another stunt performer on the show. He's, he's doing uh, Paolo Montalban's doubling in this one. 
He's also doubled for Jeffrey Meek, and he's does a ton of stunt work. He did. Um, he's been on. Let's see, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. He did stunts in The Mandalorian, and of course, WMAC Masters. That's the that's like our shadow at this point. We're gonna have to find those and cover those. Yeah, how hard could it possibly be to find? Those are so fucking Mortal Kombat that we have to find wmac masters episodes to talk about i feel like what mk podquest is becoming is um actually us discovering how in an attempt to meaningfully grapple with and contextualize any piece of created work at all you end up falling down an endless rabbit hole of relevant contextual factors that means you will be doing it until the end of days yes that we just keep finding stuff where it's like well we could just keep doing this and then it would even give us more of an appreciation of what mortal Kombat conquest is and we'll do that until we monk crumble ourselves i mean you just described my my approach to fandom in general is just dissecting and finding all of the diverging paths of anything that has even a tangential relationship to whatever the thing i liked in the first place was which is a big reason why i don't dive into the star wars mythos because there's just too much of it yeah i've not gotten into a lot of stuff because i've decided that i had no idea where to start or it was too big and then my dumb ass got into gundam <laughs> which uh you know has a lot of uh stuff to get to i do think though that it's also important to contextualize works of fiction beyond the uh thing itself as much as it is to take the thing for what it is because what it is is inherently dependent on everything else that was happening when it was made so it's good and we'll never run out of stuff to talk about we'll just eventually stop or die someday Mm -hmm. i mean yeah yep and really that's what life is you you either stop or die (laughs) or someone fails to stop you and they die Or you die trying to stop someone from killing someone else, like at the end of this episode. Let's talk about it. Or you form an unholy alliance with somebody else. Let's just jump on into it, Corey. Let's just jump on into it. I don't know what that voice was supposed to be. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. You want to talk about Mortal Kombat Conquest? You're you're stealing my line. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. And nobody will know what we're talking about or answer the question. So, we're in the city. Right, we're outside Jujen Applebee's, and it's this uh, handsome dude sort of just strolls in, looking for some stew, right? And uh, so the bar, I'm going to call them bar maidens. I don't like the term bar wench. The two bar maidens, their names are Ella and Magda, are uh, kind of like checking them out, right? And they're like, ooh. If you, if you, man. really quick, you can cut this out if you want. If you want to draw the line at bar maidens, you could just say wait staff. <laughs> like, no, no, no. They're bar, they're, they're classic bar maidens. I'm, I'm saying it. Okay. They're classic that's bar fine. maidens. I'm, I'm owning just, it. I'm, no, that's fine. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying. Send send your complaints to uh, mkpodquest at gmail.com. Do not uh, put them in reviews. Send your complaints to at final meal. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so Ella and Magda are like checking this dude out, right? And they're like, wow, gorgeous and polite. He must not be from around here. Ha <laughs> ha. So Ella is serving him, and she kind of asks him what brings him to town, and he says he's looking for uh, Kung Lao. And Ella's like, oh, yeah, I know Kung Lao. He lives in the old trading post. I can take you there when I get off work. She's into the dude, and he kind of, like, politely declines. He's just too tired, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. We cut to later, and Ella, the barmaiden, is headed home after work, and it looks like she's almost home when 
an invisible tongue shoots out from behind a bunch of boxes and strangles her to death instantaneously. Dare I say, a visible tongue, because... Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's reptile. It's fucking reptile. Reptiles in this episode, everybody. Everybody it's... reptile tonight. Everybody <laughs> reptile tonight. Next morning, at the trading post, Taja's setting up for the day, and Kung Lao comes down. He's looking for Ciro. Taja tells him that he went to see someone named Magda. That's the other, the other bar maiden. And suddenly, the handsome dude shows up at the trading post. This is Tomas. Yeah, and as mentioned, he's basically just like, "Hey, it's me, Tomas. I'm from the north, and I know what Mortal Kombat is, and I'm here to train." And they're all just like, "Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa." Yeah, what the fuck is it? Pro- yeah. Prove it. He says the reason he didn't show up to the last Mortal Kombat tournament is that he, he is from a village. <laughs> he got fucking stuck in, in traffic. And an avalanche, a fucking avalanche closed off like his only route down the mountain. So he couldn't he couldn't make it to the tournament because of an avalanche. Seems suspicious to me, right? But uh, yeah, he comes, he says he wants to join the combat crew, right? It's unfortunate because this entire episode is spent with a... Uh, Tomas saying very suspicious but ultimately true things. I know it's yeah, <laughs> uh, it's frustrating but also incredibly entertaining. Incredible's a strong word. It's entertaining though, dude. We're all about strong words. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I want to join you. Like, you can test me if you want. Like, I'm, I'm good for this. And Kung Lao's like, all right, but we're gonna wait until our big lug friend Ciro gets back. Yeah, right. And Kung Lao's also like, bro, you realize, like, I know you know what Mortal Kombat is, but do you know what Mortal Kombat is? Like, have you, like I've been there, motherfucker. I'm gonna like, kick your ass out of your own ass. Is basically what he's saying. <laughs> Yeah, a little a lot of posturing in this episode, isn't there? I'm gonna flex so hard it kicks your ass out of your ass. That's <laughs> how so he says it and everything. It's a really weird line. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird to have I'm gonna kick your ass out of your ass in the Mortal Kombat Conquest script. But it's there. Go, go back and watch it. Sean Catherine Derrick branching out. Yeah, I feel like that was a hat man <laughs> contribution. It's <laughs> a hat man original. He's got a million of them. <laughs> You can have that one right. for free. Tasha seems like she's kind of into him already, right? I think she takes him back to like get him some tea or some food or something while they're waiting for Ciro, you know? Yeah, she's she's very uh, welcoming. Yeah, totally. Meanwhile, Ciro's meeting up with Magda, and Magda's flipping out. She's like, Ella, Ella died last night. She was she was going home, and, and something killed her, and they found her body this morning, right? Sarah's like, uh, any idea who did it? And she's like, well, there was this really handsome looking dude who came to Applebee's last night and, uh, he and Ella were really hitting it off. Maybe he had something to do with it. Which I, which to be fair, I, I, I think she is dramatically overstating. Yeah, she is. I mean, they, they exchanged a <laughs> I, few words. I get, I get that she wouldn't know for sure and I'm not blaming her for that, but they had, as far as we know, a very brief conversation. Right, Ella must have been talking to her about him afterwards. She must be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it happen." Take him to the bone zone. That has to be clown horns. Ciro <laughs> says he wants to see the body to search it for clues or something. There's a lot of Ciro dealing with dead bodies on this show. Yeah, and I like, yeah. I, I think Ciro in this episode is great. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, last last week we kind of got kind of got a uh, short short shrifted when it came to good zero moments because he was just running around after rain the whole time. We get a lot of zero in this one. Yeah, he's doing good. So now we cut back to the combat club. 
Kung Lao is sort of getting the courtyard ready. Sarah's like, what are we doing with the courtyard? And Kung was like, we're fucking fighting in it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sarah's feeling Kung Lao in about all of this. And that's how we learned that Ella was strangled to death. Kung Lao's like, all right, we got this new boy here. We're going to uh, we're gonna give him a little a little test here in the courtyard. He wants to join us as a fighter, right? Thomas is introduced to Ciro, and Ciro's like immediately suspicious as hell. Uh, who was introduced? Tomas Thank is you. introduced to Ciro. <laughs> and Ciro... <laughs> And Ciro is automatically suspicious as hell too, and he's just sort of like brushes it off. He's like, "Oh, sorry, someone I knew got killed last night. I'm I'm a little edgy." And Tomas is like, "That's cool, bro. Whatever." And then they all sort of just kind of walk off screen, and we see <laughs> that Vorpax is doing it's, it's classic Vorpax, it's, right? Dude, it's classic Vorpax. Oh, it's so good. Like <laughs> Vorpax becoming this like occasional presence who basically just sneers and laughs at everybody yeah. oh it's so fucking good from the from the from, shadows from the high ground oh, yeah and she's it's so almost good. always elevated yeah and she's in that cool fucking robe all the time shit fucking yes, rules it's blue she looks good in blue this is a, a blue ass robe i'm into it anyway she's fucking cool as shit she's the best <laughs> we're going to shao khan's throne room now and uh vorpax comes in and reptile is just up there hanging out on the uh, throne platform with Shao Kahn, right? Yes. It's reptile, everybody. Reptile's here. Not just CGI, bad CGI, <laughs> lizard version of reptile. We got full-on reptile. His green, the green on his ninja outfit is shiny, too. And, uh, it's, like, glittery. He's got, um, he's got a mask, much like the other masks we've seen up to this point, but it's got, like, snake mouth on it. Yeah, it does. He had that in the movie, too. This is the same. This is the same mask as the the reptile from the movie. I, well, it's pretty sweet. Really quick, I know we're gonna get to it later, but I want to get to it now. Uh, so later, uh, <laughs> there's a rundown where basically it's like, yeah, that's reptile. Uh, he's from Zatera. Yes. And but the way it's phrased, um, the implication is that um, reptile is not like an individual being. It's like, oh yeah, there's a realm full of reptiles. Yeah, they're all named reptiles. Like that's the implication is like, oh yeah, that's like like when whenever there's a joke where it's like there's like a given realm where it's like this is vampire realm or this is like dinosaur realm. Like literally, this is like reptile realm. Everyone there is reptile, and I thought that was so fucking weird. <laughs> All right, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, but you will you are going to see it. You are going to later on see a room full of reptiles in a different episode. And do they all look like the same person? They do, except the main reptile has the shiny the shiny outfit, the shiny ninja Well, sure, outfit, that's how he, and the rest of them That's how humanity works, too. The rest of them just have regular green yeah, and Yeah, we all follow the shiniest uh, guy. I can't wait till we get to that episode because it's it's about one reptile fighting the other reptile to be the new reptile leader of the reptiles. Yeah, it's at so that point, why do. even bother calling the realm Zatera? Just call it Reptile Rep Planet. Call it Jurassic Park. I don't fucking care. I am Reptile, leader of the reptiles from Reptile. King of the Reptile Gang. I want Reptile to get one of those Yakuza intros that are really... You know, you've seen those on Twitter? Because I haven't played the games, but have you seen any of these before? Yeah, I've seen... I, I want Reptile yeah. to get one of those. <laughs> He's the patriarch of the Reptile clan. Listener, make it happen. Singular listener <laughs> to this podcast. All right, so so Reptile, Vorpax, and Shao Kahn are all hanging out in the throne room. Vorpax is kind of like weirded out by seeing Reptile there. She makes some comment about him. Oh, you actually you brought him you brought him here and Shakan's like uh yeah he's also helping us with this Corey I want you to remember that even though I know you won't so I'll have to remind you wow wait remember we what it, that uh <laughs> Vorpax was kind of like 
Yeah, she was oh. not feeling great. Oh, oh, it's a reptile here. Is she scared of okay. reptiles? Just put a pin in it, all right? Just put a pin in that one. Okay. Don't want to spoil anything. Consider it done. Uh, Shao Kahn's talking a lot about Tomas, right? He's like, Tomas is a, a hell of a fighter. I knew the man who trained him. He was a true master who fell to one of my conquests, and Kung Lao has no idea what's about to fucking happen to him. Kung Lao's going to get his shit rocked. Even this moment is trying to, like, sow seed to the viewer that, like, there's something suspicious about Tomas, right? Yeah. There there uh, are, dare I say, some twisted truths. Yeah. Ooh, you, you got it. We, we did it. Bam, 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 bam. So then some boys fight. <laughs> Back in Zhuzhen, it is a handsome boy fight club time. Yes. Yeah, we got we got Ciro versus Tomas, right? It seems like it's going to be Kung Lao versus Tomas, and Kung Lao's like, I don't want to hurt you. And then Ciro's like, "Let me have a, let me take a, take a run at this guy." And Tomas is like, "Well, I don't want to hurt you, right?" A lot of, a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a big dick contest. A bunch of buff boys are trying to decide who's the buffest. Yeah, it's, it's. This is like Ciro. So Ciro and Tomas both look like they stepped off the cover of a Harlequin romance novel, right? Down to the fit. They are swashbucklers as hell. This is a Harlequin drip. Ciro versus Thomas. Four sleeves enter. Only two sleeves leave. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, who is he fighting for sleeves? <laughs> Tomas. That's correct. I said it right. I know you I said it You didn't, right. actually. Man, Tomas can fucking fight, too, dude. This was a good one. I like this fight scene. I'm usually here for any of the Daniel Bernhardt zero fight scenes because he's a trained martial artist. There's just something a little bit more... Um, they feel less choppy when they're not having to sub in you know, a stunt double, right? At least right. on one side. I don't know. This was a hell of a fight, though, right? And and uh, Sears doing all right for a while. And then he very much stops doing all right. They're they're hitting each other hard. If you watch the fight, they're they're getting harder and harder with their hits as it goes on. Like they're kind of like forgetting that they're training. Right. They're like, oh, actually, we're just two beef boys, and uh, we're just gonna fucking kick the shit out of each other for real. We really want to hug and kiss, but we just met, so we're gonna uh, wail on each other instead. That, actually, that does not stop Tomas in the slightest from hugging and kissing somebody. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So Tom Tomas fucking ends up dislocating Ciro's arm and uh, fights over. Right? Taja and Kung Lao like run into hell. They're like, "Oh my god, Tomas! If this were a video game, you would have ripped his arm clean off." Would have been like a, a fucking X-ray move in Mortal Kombat nine and ten. You know, just like a zoom in. Yeah, it would have been pretty sick. Uh, and here it's still yeah. pretty sick. But um, this is also the first instance we get of uh, Tomas being like genuinely apologetic. He's like, ah, shit, I fucked it. Sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm too yeah. into fighting. And I, I did a whoops. Uh-oh, bad. Sorry. Yeah, he, he apologizes profusely. He he sets Ciro's arm back in, right? Yeah. He's like, I can I can set your arm for you. Uh, it's going to hurt like a motherfucker. And they're just like, oh, just fucking do and it. And Ciro's like, I'm tough as fuck. Yeah, I don't need to bite down on anything. All I have to bite down on is my pride. My dad wouldn't want me to bite down on anything, so I'm not going to. My dad would make me bite down on my brother's arm, which is pretty fucked up if you think about it. Do you love me now, dad? I didn't have to bite down on anything. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Bite down on the silver spoon, son. Little boy blue, bite on the spoon. Right, so so they set so he fixes Ciro's arm and he's like, yeah, just try not to move it for a few days, right? Which Ciro f- fails to do deeply and profoundly. Kung Lao goes to like fix him a sling and he kind of tells Taja and Tomas that they should get lost for a little while, right? So they leave and um, Ciro and Kung Lao are talking and Ciro's like, you know, I, he's like, I know we just kept we started like 
hitting harder. He's like, I didn't really want to believe that he was that good of a fighter. And Kung Lao's like, yeah, he's an incredible fighter. Kung Lao's like, right? oh, fuck, we have to take him on, don't we? So anyway, meanwhile, Taja and Tomas, they're walking through a bunch of merchants. It seems like they're outside of town. It's kind of that dirt path. This, Yeah, this forest area is new. Not in concept, but structurally, this like crossroads forest area has never looked like this. It's new to us in this capacity. And they're walking very slowly. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're taking their time. They're they're enjoying each other's company, right? Meanwhile, we get to see uh, CGI lizard reptile scurrying <laughs> up trees and, and it, popping off it like looks, on the top of tents and look, just like really... Looks like you wrapped one of those inflatable beach alligators in cellophane. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's 100%. Yeah, no, that's the perfect description. The worst is when we see the we get like a full shot of the lizard on that door. It's not great. In a few scenes, it's not great it's at all. Really, it's really quite. It's yeah. quite bad, but in a good way. But I, I just love he just he's just like he's on this tree, then he's over there on that tree. Now he's popping up over this thing. He's really just kind of he's spending more time running Scurrying. around this this market than he is actually like paying attention to what's going on. And to be fair, he's not missing much. They're just sort of talking about life. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of catching up, getting to know each other, talking about their pasts right tomas mentions that his parents died when he was six and that's how he ended up with his master who trained him to fight so he's kind of relating to taja growing up being an orphan with her parents disappearing and her dad's uh, apparently in the cobalt mine somewhere maybe who knows um there's a moment i believe here where um uh, tomas is getting very forward um yeah about sort of how he's feeling and what his whole deal is which sort of they're 100 percent horny for they're each horny other. for each other but thomas very fuck now i'm doing it tomas uh very much is like he's simultaneously self-aware of it and behaving in a way that like no normal person would in their first interaction with somebody about being like right, yo right. want to wang chung tonight i guess and um <laughs> uh taja manages to de-escalate this flirting session by saying literally direct quote Let's go look at that stuff over there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And they're, they they're do. still kind of and feeling each other out. But then they buy friendship bracelets. Yeah, while they're the stuff over there that they look they, at is bracelets. They, they stopped and flirting to buy friendship bracelets. Tomas buys one for Taja as a thank you for being his host in a new city, and she buys one for him also, and it's it's pretty adorable, honestly. Yeah, it's it's I'm kinda, nice. I'm into because it. if they don't end up hooking up, they have carved out a nice uh, oval shaped friend zone for each other, and I think that's nice. We should be clear too. You're allowed Tomas to just being, be friends, but also he's flirting so hard. He's flirting. He's flirting hard. He's being forward, but he's not being gross, which you would expect from this show, right? Like he's not immediately. I don't know. He's 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 being uh, respectfully horny uh it's that meme that uh it's just i am looking respectfully sure yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you all know the one if you don't know the one we'll tweet it but you know the one we'll make a tomas version jay jay uh, do you know the one on the... <laughs> she, she sent me that that was the first time i saw it. that's why i bring that up shout out to jade <laughs> what's up jade how you doing i for one love podcasts uh because i like treating them as one-on-one conversations with somebody who's not part of it yeah so we're back at the uh we're, we're briefly back at the trading post, and it's nighttime now, and Taja made Ciro some tea to help with the pain. And at this point, he's acting like the pain's not that bad, but in about two minutes, he's going to be like, the pain, it hurts, right? And to be fair, that pain looks like it would hurt. It does, yeah. It, it definitely hurts, and he, and, he, and he doesn't need to be hiding that from us. He had his fucking shoulder dislocated. But here's it's the thing. Cool, he's a like, man. 
He's a big well, masculine so- man. And this is a show that operates uh, on gender norms pretty profoundly. Yeah. So he's the big buff burly man who had a bad father. And so he's not. he doesn't want anyone to think that uh, he could possibly feel pain, emotional or otherwise. I mean, last week, Kung Lao got gently beat up by rain and was in bed for weeks getting uh, Oils. poisoned and fucked to death. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah just has his arm dislocated, you know. It's not not as bad. And then got fucked to death. Oh, sh- I hate when I do this. I have a note that says, dude, that scene is so good. And I forget what scene it is. Because all I read I was know, that me- it was good. Why am I fucking doing this? Why are my notes so bad? <laughs> all the time. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know, man. Fuck. Maybe it's, maybe it's this scene where, where Ciro is talking to Taja and he, he refers to... Uh, he refers to Tomas as Mr. Wonderful, right? Because Taja and, and Tomas are going to go out to dinner. And he's... Th- I, I want to give Ciro a little bit of credit here because, like, he's not he's not really being a dick. Like, he made that little Mr. Wonderful joke. But then he's like... Do you think that was a reference to Mr. Wonderful, the wrestler, because they were having a wrestler on the show? Uh, It is it is now. <laughs> cool. I think, I think that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ciro, Ciro kind of warns her. He's like, you know, just he's like, I, I, I trust your judgment. You say he's a good guy. That's cool. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad at him for fucking up my arm. He helped me. Just like, be careful because we still don't really know this guy. You know, like yeah. So it's it's cool because we're getting like mature, cautious Ciro, which is new. Um, yeah, he's shown maturity in other capacities as a person before now. Um, particularly in like his protectiveness of people he cares about, which I think shows up even when he's like giving in to like the uh toxic masculinity bro rage but right here right, right. it is nice to see him throughout this episode actually being sort of like reserved thoughtful empathetic relatively like still yeah, passionate about what he's point, doing at least yeah like as much as Ciro can and that's a nice new side of Ciro versus how he acted when he when he met at the whatever the game that Taja used to play the gambling yeah. game she would play and she met Taja's last boyfriend who if I'm remembering correctly looks a lot like this guy hey man we all have a type yeah Taja's definitely got a type she likes the <laughs> she likes the square jawed Ciro's is Kung Lao and Ciro's is Kung Lao and Magda and Ciro's is Kung Lao and Bar Maidens and uh I also like that Taja finally gets something to do, but is this show seriously telling me that uh, the one thing they could think to have Taja do is get a boyfriend? And I want to uh, make clear no. that that's not inherently bad at all. Right, right, right. But when you give us like two episodes where she literally gets nothing to do, and then it's like, oh, well, now she's get to do stuff because a man is here. A new one. That's so yeah. fucking annoying. Like, try harder. This is that. That's just lame to me um i like it like i i think it's well presented and put together and whatever but it 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 feels frustrating for it to be like oh taja finally gets something to do that's not occasionally sell stuff and disappear for entire episodes at a time and this is what it is really quick before you follow on that also yeah there's a scene there are scenes where tomas clearly had adr and uh, there's a really oh, yeah. weird sound discrepancy between his like spoken dialogue in scene and ADR. And I feel like it almost doesn't even quite match how his mouth is moving or like his mouth isn't moving enough. And uh, it just looks really fucking busted every time they do it. Uh, I, maybe. I mean, his jaw is just so square. Maybe his mouth just doesn't move that much. Right. But like uh, his jaw being square doesn't make the audio sound different. 
I, I can't say that I picked up on that, but I was also, you know, taking I, more detailed notes than you, apparently. I could I could also be wrong, but like, yeah, it's not great. No, we're going to, uh, you're right. We're going to proclaim you as correct. I love that. So Taja and Tomas yes. are going out to dinner and Kung Lao comes home with Applebee's curbside to go for he and Ciro. And uh, they just have a little little bit of a short talk. Ciro asks how Magda was doing. Magda, who lost her friend Ella. And Ciro mm. was like, well, she's doing better. But I told her that you got your arm all fucked up and she's worried about you. And he's like, well, I'm going to... Ciro's like, well, I'm going to go walk her home after her shift because I don't want her going home alone. Not while somebody is out there murdering bar winches. Bar maidens. Fixed it. Saved it. <laughs> Fixed it in current. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. in post, so, in right now. So they're gonna. So Ciro and Kung Lao are gonna have a nice, nice dinner together, just the two of them, like they like to do. While Taja and Tomas, it's so hard with two T's. While Taja and Tomas are uh, out walking around, walking around in Zhuzhen at night, and just kind of making out in alleyways. Yeah, uh, I have decided that this must be the scene when I said. Uh, uh, so I've just got a series of notes here that just says, oh my God, wait, you said he was going too fast. Dude, that scene is so good. It is. You know, you know what's interesting about this? The whole time I'm watching this in context, I'm like, okay. Uh, this uh, is- it's, it's conquest. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time we've seen this kind of like stuff happen where it has felt consensual on both sides. Right? Yeah, which is awesome. And like they're checking in with each other. Tomas is making sure he's not going too fast. Taja says it is pretty fast. They set fast. boundaries and then both just fucking went for it. It's great. Yeah. Fucking rules. Yeah. Good for Taja. Man. Finally, this show gets to be wet and wild without being gross at the same time. Uh, and there's like a lot of kissing there's a lot, going on. There's a lot of kissing going on. And Vorpax is spying on them the whole time, right? I have a note that just says so much kissing with six exclamation points <laughs> from a little bit later down my note sheet. Mine has three three exclamation points it's not enough so then taj is like oh let's we're almost at the tavern it's right up here and tomas is like uh can we go somewhere else maybe someplace nicer and i think that was another little uh, attempt to make us suspicious of tomas and think that maybe he is the one the murderer even though we saw it was reptile who was the murderer i don't know yes Back in Outworld, reptiles telling shao khan that thomas is close to taja and siro and kung lao are still doubtful of him. And Shao Kahn's like, excellent, my plan to Earth to weaken Earthrealm has begun. Reptile's like, okay, is it time for me to attack? Because I want to attack Hiss, Hiss, Hiss. He hisses when he talks. It's kind of cool, right? Shao Kahn's it, like, no, something. no, no. Each of these fighters is formidable, but they all have a weakness. Find that flaw, and then you'll know when to attack. Yeah, it was neat, because I believe this is the part where we just get a sizzle reel of the gang. yes. And that was kind of nice. Just like, here's the gang. Here's the crew being cool as fuck for a while. And then them getting the shit kicked out of themselves Yeah, we get briefly to-, to showcase weaknesses, which is uh, getting kicked mostly. I think we saw Kung Lao fighting Sha- Shang Tsung. Fighting Shaquille O'Neal. In um, uh, Immortal Combat. We saw Ciro when he was fighting the, the dudes and he got his ass kicked in Noob Sebot. We saw Taja, I think, fighting the Lin Kuei guy. We saw a bunch. Anyway, it was a nice, nice little greatest hits moment from earlier episodes with this Shao Kahn monologue over top. I'm here for it. Now we're back at the uh, date night's over and Taja and Tomas are back at back at the trading post in the courtyard, at least. And we find out that Taja does not fuck on the first date. Right. And you know what? 
that's cool. Yeah. Do, you do you. She does make out on the first date, though. Oh, hell yeah, but she don't fuck on the first date. As, as evidenced by this is where my note about all the kissing comes in. And Thomas is cool with it, which Who's, my note... Who is? And Tomas is... Fuck you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that every fucking time. And Tomas is cool with it, which is a Zhuzhen first. Zhuzhen, uh, outside the city gates, they got a big sign that says, like, welcome to Zhuzhen. And right below it, they added a smaller sign that says, we now have consent. <laughs> The the Magda and Ella were right. He's this guy's definitely not from around here, right? No. Cyrus walking Magda home, and Magna feels bad about Ciro doing this because he's in pain, right? She's like, "You're white with pain right now." I'm almost home, Ciro. Thank you for walking me. I can see my front door from here. So just go home, get some rest. I'll come by the trading post tomorrow. And my my house is so close that there's no reason for you to not keep yeah. walking me there, but also stop walking me there. We're ten feet away. It's cool. Like just. And he's like, fine, just get right inside and lock the door. Uh, Boy, sure hope nothing bad happens now. Then we immediately see transparent lizard reptile. Then the worst possible thing happens. Fade into the door right as she goes up to it and opens it. So dude got inside, inside her house. Locked doors be damned, right? Yeah, somehow she managed to not touch the reptile man attached to her door. Maybe he gets Uh, real flat. Maybe he gets, maybe he's flat Stanley. We don't know. <laughs> um, but what we do know is that this uh, revelation for Ciro is certainly something that could cause profound guilt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, Ciro uh, really could have just, uh, well, realistically, Ciro uh, and Kung Lao learn a similar lesson this episode, which is uh, you're not in control of everything, and that doesn't necessarily make it your fault, because realistically... Uh, was he going to fight the acid-spitting reptile man with one arm? Probably not. Yeah, he would have gotten fucked the fuck up. He would have gotten uh, butt the ass down. He would have got his face melted off like Tomas will at the end of this episode. Yes. Ciro gets back to the trading post. Tomas is still up. He's out in the courtyard. Ciro's a little sus about this, but he's like, all right, whatever. Right after that, we see that Magda is dead. There's smoke everywhere. She's been strangled again. Didn't see that coming no, it, it is a surprise, yeah. Yeah, total total surprise. It, you, you don't realize why that would even necessarily be part of the con initially uh, until it becomes clear that uh, they're setting up a third encounter. Next morning, Kung Lao tells Ciro and Taja that Magna was found dead just outside the city gates, right? Ciro and Kung Lao go play detective. And uh, Kung Lao comes to the conclusion that she was strangled, you know, his... Nice detective eye notices the giant mark around her neck. He's basically Columbo. Yeah. And um, decides that she must have been killed in the city and dragged out here. And that she apparently seemed to be clawing at her attacker. Right. They ask the crowd of villagers who, uh, if anybody saw anything. And a woman in blue. This isn't Vorpax, correct? This is a different woman. No, this blue. is just some lady. This is a lady. Says she, yeah. She, she says she found a bracelet near the body. And then she starts claiming that the same thing happened two towns west from here, and they never figured out who done it. And they're like, oh, fuck. Tomas is a man of the west. So they go back to the trading post, and they're filling in Taja. They show her the bracelet. She tells them about the friendship bracelets that she and Tomas got. Tomas comes down. He's like, hey, chums, what's up? And they're like... He's like, they're like, sup, gamers. They're like, yo, we're going to fucking kill your ass right now. Yeah, we think you're a murderer. You better show us that bracelet. Or uh, you're a murderer, and he's like, okay. You better show us that bracelet, or you're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go get it. And he comes back, and he's like, huh, not there. 
Chucks. Oh, weird. Oh, whoops. Oh, I guess I lost that and somebody else's life earlier today. And he's got scratches on his chest somehow. We don't know from what. He thinks it's just, he says it's just from, from all of that buck wild making out they're having. It must have been, right? She must have gotten a little. She, she's not about to. Is that, is that the sound that makes? Could you do that one more time, please, for the benefit of the audience? So Tomas is like, no, shucks, I can't find the bracelet, right? And then they're like, oh, that's because you're a goddamn murderer, right? Sierra's so like, oh, you done it. You got scratches and- Y'all heard of who done it? Well, this is you done it, buster. Yeah, you, you got the bracelet. You don't have your bracelet. It was found by the body. They saw you at the tavern. You got scratches and Magda fodder opponent. We have, don't know shit about you, except that you're a hell of a fighter. And Sierra's like, finally, I can be mad at somebody justifiably. Like, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, he's like- it all, he, has, he has in the past, but- All the evidence points to you, buddy- and Tomas is like, that's not, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go find the fucking truth, right? I'm, I'm going to leave. Don't stop me. I'm going to fucking Mortal Kombat training your ass into the next dimension. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, okay. Okay. All right, fine. You can go. Right. So then we cut to the forest and Raiden is just like chilling. Right? I love this. I love that. Like, this means one of two things. Kung Lao knows where to find Raiden on a given day. Like, he's got a predictable schedule. Or... Raiden can preempt where Kung Lao is going to be. <laughs> and just pop there and take a nap. Act cash. Raiden's like, go away, Kung Lao. And <laughs> Kung Lao's like, no, it's important. He's like, oh, it always is. What is it now? Did the well dry up? He's being a real fucking smarmy, sarcastic piece of shit again, which Kung Lao calls him out on. Yeah. He's like, Jesus Christ, Raiden, go a single fucking day without being a dick. He can't, he can't do it. He can't do it. Kung Lao even says, uh... Do you always have to be so sarcastic? And Raiden's like, yes. It's my whole It's my whole job. It's my MO. Yeah. So Kung Lao's asking Raiden about Tomas, and Raiden confirms that Tomas was supposed to be at Mortal Kombat, but never showed up. Confirms that he was trained by a powerful... Oh, we did briefly skip something that I think is mildly important. Sure. Taja goes to bat for Tomas hard. Oh, yeah. She totally does. Yeah. Hard. Like, yeah. she's like, look, I can't prove any of this. However, I firmly believe he did nothing wrong and is cool. Yeah. Um, to the point of being like pretty strongly defensive about it, while Kung Lao and Ciro were just talking like two mystery-solving detectives. Right. Yeah. 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 You're totally right. Yeah. She's um. She's definitely on his. She definitely got his back. So. So part of what Kung Lao does talk to Raiden about about Tomas is like we think he's a murderer. All the signs point to him being a murderer. Taja's falling for him. This is a tricky one. And Raiden's kind of like, look, you know how to size up your opponents in a fight. Use your instincts. Figure it out. But make no mistake, this guy is a strong fighter. So you can either embrace that or not. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting idea. They didn't really explicitly say it, but it felt to me like what Raiden is saying is like, hey, this guy's a good fighter from Earthrealm who wants to represent Earthrealm. He could be a murderer. But he could also be a powerful ally against Outworld in Mortal Kombat, right? So yeah, I I think it's interesting because like it's not necessarily, um, like Raiden is not saying yeah compromise your morals for the sake of the benefit of Earthrealm. Um, but what he is saying is like, hey man, balls in your court. Figure out what information there is to figure out, but you have to decide for yourself. Um as a somebody in a position of power how big a deal this is to you sure yeah basically and i think it's it's fascinating because it, it feels like 
this this interaction feels very paternal this feels like a a rash uh a realization rather that you have to teach a kid to have right which is not not in strictly the terms of like weighing the pros and cons of something uh but you know something about their interaction felt very parent child but in a way that felt nicer than usual because when the sarcasm i just said sarcasm really weird when the sarcasm (laughs) falls away um Raiden is giving genuine good advice on like look man sometimes what it comes down to is trust your instincts like trust your gut basically is what the lesson he's being taught right is uh it's like look the context to the decision you have to make is that he may or may not be an ethically sound individual or a morally sound individual but depending on what you can or cannot figure out you may have to ultimately decide that that's better for the earth even if it makes you feel bad yeah and um in any case if you have a feeling go with that and i think that's you know genuinely sound advice that i think kung lao very much needs to be told um even though he often is going off of a hunch yeah uh i feel like it's something that he's still not comfortable doing right yeah. even though it's what happens like every week yeah he's 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 glued to his his monk teachings right and um he shouldn't always be yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a world full of gray areas. It's not so black and white, Kung Lao. Maybe you need this uh, apparent murderer to defeat Outworld. It reminds me of like a lot of the things we see in in these newer Mortal Kombat games, where you've got like Earthrealm allying with Outworld, and you've got the Shirai Ryu. It's you know, complicated. It's yeah, and it's it's life be complicated. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of shit. I thought it was cool. I thought I, I thought it was a nice touch, and it was some good Raiden versus what we got last time when Raiden was basically just calling Melina ugly. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that all of that said, we ourselves are not condoning becoming friends with murderers. Yeah, also, we as viewers of the show know that Tomas isn't the one doing the murdering, so... And also, Mortal Kombat isn't real. Also, We also are pretty sure Mortal Kombat isn't real. We're like a... Well, I think we're like a good 85% sure of that. Oh, wow. But also, I don't I don't think we are Earth's chosen warriors. Well, no, but we are Earth's chosen podcasters. Sure. That's different. That's a different responsibility. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Tomas is... Also banging around in the woods somewhere, somewhere else, and he hears a woman crying out for help. It's the old Kung Lao bait. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. How the fuck does this keep working? <laughs> um, Maybe I get it's because they're like they're like pure-hearted noble warriors who want to help people. Yeah. This... But like, dude, fucking come on, man. Like this is just. And I get that we know it's <laughs> Vorpax. Sorry, I know you keep trying to butt in, but I am not done. Go, go, um, go. I know we know it's Vorpax. So we know it's like, well, this is a ruse. I look at how big that man is. This can't be trusted. But um, why is it that their first gut instinct is uh, like, I guess this is more of a gripe with Kung Lao than it is with Tomas. But I'm assuming Tomas is the similar kind of guy who would pull shit like this. So let's rope them together. Yeah, yeah. No. How many times do you have to get baited in this exact fashion? (laughs) <laughs> before you at least ask a question or two this is the this is the one flaw of the potential mortal combat champion is you're easily baited by uh women in peril 100 percent of the time yeah damsels in distress just make things fucking 
their brains stop working and they go, I gotta help the, I, I gotta help them. Yeah. Like they you, just, they just stop, they stop thinking critically, which is why every episode Raiden has to stop by and be like, remember to use your brain. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, no, I can't. You know that I'm a Mortal Kombat uh, champion. I have to. Yeah, it's in my contract. Whether it's a trap or not. They just can't fucking help it. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. They just can't help it. But this... It's hilarious. What we're trying to say is it's fucking hilarious. This more than this more than anything in the show, more than Raiden confirming it, this this convinced me, oh yeah, no, this is a guy who's supposed to be fighting for Earthrealm in Mortal Kombat because he is so easily he baited. He fought the large man. <laughs> oh, like... Yeah, it's like, oh, he fits in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because Ciro has fallen for this. This is this is blonde. Taja has fallen for this. This is blonde. Kung Lao has fallen for this. Yeah. Yes. Now this guy fell this for is... it. Okay. Yep. That's it. He's he's a good guy. He passed also, the test. Also, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think uh, there's a lot to say for um, the fight itself. Oh, here. I, I got some stuff to say. I got I got like two things, which is it's hilarious seeing a big man do real wrestling moves without a wrestling ring. So he's like suplexing and jumping off of stuff, and yeah, it looks very is. funny. Also, when the big man destroys that pillar that's clearly made out of styrofoam, and he knocks it like eight hundred feet away, that's very funny. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best. This is where so Vorpax has baited Tomas into fighting big burly citizen, secretly outworld palace guard Brian Rath Clark. Professional wrestler doing professional wrestling moves and shit in the middle of the forest and absolutely fucking wrecking Tomas. Tomas is getting the shit beat out of him. This raised a question for me. Why doesn't Shao Kahn enter this guy in Mortal Kombat? This guy, this palace guard should be representing Outworld in Mortal Kombat because this well, guy is is just fucking things up. He does lose, though. But barely. And do you remember how he loses? This was big, too. This threw my whole... This threw my whole theory out of whack. This is a this is a real uh, horseshoes and hand grenades situation, though, because like if he was close to not losing but still lost, it's like that doesn't matter in Mortal Kombat because he would still very much be dead. I know, but I think the odds are this this ain't gonna work every time. He ain't know? gonna especially. He ain't gonna beat up Goro. I don't. Well, but Goro's on his side. <laughs> I know, but I'm making a point because other realms have big bigger more armed men no i okay i that's fair but i'm I'm just saying this this we saw um we saw tomas uh kick zero's ass we're gonna see tomas uh, kick kung lao's ass shortly tomas is a hell of a fighter so much of a threat that shao Kahn's trying to take him out of the picture this one outworld palace guard almost gets the job done would have gotten the job done if tomas not taja tomas hadn't been an ancestor of johnny cage and pulled the split nut punch to turn the fight in his favor. Oh, fuck yeah, he did. So now yeah, he did. we have to grapple with what I think you were alluding to, which is Johnny Cage. He, got, this is much I, more yeah, conventionally I, a Johnny Cage ass-looking dude. You're, yeah, 100%. This throws my whole theory out in the, the window. <sighs> this really fucked, fucked me up, dude. I don't know. I, I'm going to, you know, I want to lean towards... Set up for anybody who maybe forgot. Set up who it was before. So my theory has been that Taja is an ancestor of Johnny Cage, right? We got we got Ciro, Ciro from a military family, uh, a loner, a stubborn guy, clearly, clearly an ancestor of Sonya Blade. We got Kung Lao, an ancestor of Liu Kang, and we've got Taja, an ancestor of Johnny Cage because she's snarky and clever and charismatic and just kind of rules. Sure. Right. But now, now we've got Tomas in here and he's doing split nut punches. He's doing the Van Damme and looks, again, handsome as fuck, charismatic. 
He could be from some kind of Mediterranean war cult. Zhu Zhen could be south of that area. We can't rule it out. We don't know who he trained with. He, you know, I, I'm just... So in my head, I'm like, what if... What if... Uh, it's worth noting that what if in you're s- having an absolute meltdown <laughs> and there is no reason uh, for us to believe that what you thought previously was correct. <laughs> no, but I got to make it work no, anyway. I get it, um, but I, I respect it. So here's my thinking. Here's my thinking. I'm thinking he was showing off for Taja in a scene that we didn't see. And he demonstrated that move for her, and that stuck, right? Mm. And she is going to carry Tomas's uh, split punch forward in her training, and that will get passed down through the generations until we get to our boy Johnny Cage. It's inevitable, yeah. Or I'm, or I'm just fucking wrong. I do think it's probably pretty clear. In fact, I think I read somewhere a long time ago and totally blanked on it until watching this that this they may have been trying to make the character of Tomas be very Johnny Cage-like on purpose. But uh, the other thing that throws off the fact that it could be, he could be an ancestor of Johnny Cage is that he fucking dies in this episode. So he didn't get to like have a family or anything. So it seems more likely to me that Taja would carry this legacy on. Nobody cares but me, but I care deeply. Let's keep talking about the show. Yeah, I think it's important. I think by the end of the series, we'll have to um, take stock of our final impressions of who we think is related to who somehow. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. So, Tomas does the does the split punch, ends up turning the tide, beats beats up a uh, big burly citizen, and then uh Vorpax just kind of runs up to him and pretends like he was attacking her the whole time and starts screaming bloody murder, right? Help, help, he's trying to kill me. And her pivot fucking rules. It's so yeah. immediate. Just like this ear-piercing fucking wail. It's great. It's good. Yeah. No, she's again, she's, she's Again, she's the best part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and all these villagers just start like they weren't they got there super quick. Like suddenly they're just surrounded by all of these fucking villagers, many of them literally carrying pitchforks who are now like accusing this guy of being the murderer because Vorpax has like really stirred the pot, right? Yes. And they decide that they're going to take him back to Zhu Zhen to face Kung Lao of all For people. For some reason, they give judged. him... Yeah, I don't know why. And then Kung Lao later is like, okay, angry mob, back up. This is my responsibility, and I'm going to handle it. There's no clear reason yeah. why that's the case, other than he happened to stay there once. He's also the strongest boy in Zhu Zhen, maybe. Hugest dude in Zhu Zhen. So Vorpax uh, doesn't go with the crowd. She takes a portal back to Outworld in a, a great portal effect. A, a genuinely great portal effect. She She's like laughing maniacally and gets sucked into a portal and fucking slaps. And Shao Kahn is like just really patting himself on the back and praising her. And he says he's impressed by her plan to use his palace guard as her attacker. So they're just congr- they just start congratulating themselves. Yeah, after he beats up the after he beats up Burly Citizen, the body just kind of disappears. He's because he, he's trying to be like, Sorry, hey, I keep forgetting his name's fucking Burly Citizen. This Burly Citizen that I beat up, he was the one attacking her, but the body's not there. So some kind of magic made him teleport back or whatever that nobody seemed to notice. So anyway, yeah. So Shao Kahn's like like really patting her on the back for this plan. He now knows that Tomas and Kung Lao are going to be turned against each other. Maybe one will kill the other. Maybe they'll both and die. Shao Kahn is very self-satisfied. He's he like, is. oh, dude, finally worked. Hell Plan yeah. has not yet ended. And Vorpax notably points out the obvious, which is like, um, there's a there's a pretty good chance this results with uh, Tomas being out of the picture, who was not in it previously. 
and uh, Kung Lao being fine. So how is this a win? Shao Kahn is counting it as a win if he gets win- rid of one of these two Earthrealm champions. Yeah, and then this episode's great, too, because we're getting Vorpax in a Shang-free zone. Totally, she's yeah. Just, not, not she's once. just vibing, keeping it tight, doing her thing. <laughs> yeah, doing the Emperor. <clears throat> anyway... <sighs> So so Thomas has been dragged back to the trading post and all the villagers are like, we, he was trying to murder someone in the woods. And... <laughs> when you went like, we, for some reason, I thought it was going to be, we like to party. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way the way the we sounded. It was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think the we almost sounded more like the like weird <laughs> horn siren that happens in that song than the actual we at the start of that line. <laughs> Sorry. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> and, you know anyway. you know what I mean, right? I I don't. Oh fuck no way. <laughs> I'll have to link it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to fill me in. Yeah, so Ciro's like, I knew he fucking did it. He He's the murderer. Uh, Tomas is the murderer. Taj is like, no, no, no. There's just This is all way too neat. And Ciro's like, he did it. He fucking did it. I knew it. He was caught. Hold on. I need, I need to cut in really quick. Um, it's yeah. We Like to Party by the Venga Boys. Oh, okay. Okay. Everybody knows the Venga Boys. I, I Six Flags. This, this will be the first time, when you send me this, this will be the first time I've consciously heard a Venga Boys song in my That's entire life. That's not true. Oh wait, consciously Conscious, heard. Okay. Consciously, you've definitely sure unconsciously I've... heard in, in your Probably. in your nightmares and dreams. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're almost done. <laughs> yeah, I want to tell you a little side note story about me being a real piece of shit. Oh no, stuck up kid. That's ominous. What? When do you? Were you active when AOL Instant Messenger was the thing? No, we had M- we had MSN. Well, same 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 thing, right? When instant messaging functionally was the, thing. the Pre- same. Yes. Pre mostly pre text messaging, pre kids having cell phones, all that kind of yes, shit. Yes, some of online. us started getting phones in and around the time like MSN was still the move, but like right. yeah, MSN was a big deal. So um, I growing up was was a punk rock kid, right? Like a like inherited from my older brother. I like listening to the Dead you know, Kennedys a lot. You're 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 he was more of a new he was more no effects rancid you know sure i got definitely got into like you know your minor threats and your fugazis and all but i was your 10 foot poles and all the punk bands right so uh i had a real stick up my ass about pop punk getting popular right and i had a friend and her aol instant messenger profile was talking you know i like blink 182 i love all kinds of music I'm especially fond of punk. You know, Blink-182, Sun 41, <laughs> the usual stuff. I like that I was right with the <laughs> Blink-182 shit. And then some, and then the next line was like, my favorite song, my current favorite song right now is Something Something by the Venga Boys. I'm pretty sure it was the Venga Boys. Yeah, probably. I don't know that many band names that sound similar to the Venga Boys. And I was just like, again, being a little shit, little teenage shit. And my, my changed my profile to be like, apparently being a fan of Blink-182 and Sum 41 makes you a punk, especially if you also like the Venga wow, Boys. Wow, fuck you, man. That's the shittiest shit. <laughs> yeah, it really, it Bro, really, really was. Bro, that sucks so bad. She didn't even ask for that or anything. She was a friend. You had you mine. had no reason to do you had no reason to do this whatsoever. And I nope. guarantee when she inevitably saw it, it just made her day bad. 
my god. She one hundred. She one hundred percent like. Man. Tore into me. For, yeah, she for as, being as, for being a little bastard. As for she being should. a little fucking bastard. Yeah, don't I do had that shit coming. on Maine. We were able. We were able to remain friends after that, and I apologize for being a little dickhead. And uh, you know, I really learned something that day. <laughs> Which is, uh, don't make people feel bad for liking the things that they like, you piece of shit. That's a, that's a Raiden-style lesson to yeah. learn. Yeah, anyway, just had to get that out there. The important thing is, I learned a lesson. I was a real, real little, real fuckboy. Is that what a fuckboy is? I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. We all were. That's a, I feel like that's a fuckboy move. We all were. Anyway, I've mostly grown out of that shit now. So. Mostly. I still, I still hate Blink-182, though. No, no, I love Blink One Eighty Two, and I liked and I liked Blink One Eighty Two then also. <laughs> like that's the other that's the other thing that makes it shitty is it's like I also liked those bands. I just liked all these other bands and didn't like the Venga Boys. So I was just being a dick. <sighs> and now you barely know yeah. who the Venga Boys are. I'm gonna put this on the internet for sure. <laughs> all right. What the whole podcast? Well, that that yeah. part of it. Uh, anyway, anyway, we're almost done. Let's do this. We are right. So. So uh, Tomas wants to leave, and he, he's like, I, said, I, I came here to join you. I came here to fight on your side, and now you guys are accusing me of this shit that I did not fucking do. Uh, I'm out of here. Taja, you can come with me if you want. And Cyril and Kunglau are like, she's not going anywhere, and neither are you. And he's like, well. And, yeah, and then he's like, try to stop me, bitch. And he's like, okay, we will. <laughs> he, he, he literally points, he, he says to Ciro when he's like, I'm leaving. He's like, don't try to stop me. And then points to Kunglau. You neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is funny. I will say though that um this next fight that we get is like, hey, y'all ever heard of trampolines? Hell yeah. It is time for Handsome Boy Fight Club round two. Kung Lao versus Tomas. Finally. Handsome boys fighting it up. This is a good fight too. Yeah. I liked this one. Now that's what I call what a girl wants. And the girl is me. <laughs> I'm the girl. <laughs> It's a good fight. I I like this one. Um, they're pretty evenly matched. They're hitting each other hard. A lot of trampoline action. Some good trampoline action. Tomas does a does a few like trampoline punches that that look like they hurt. I straight up said, "Okay, this is getting sick as fuck." In my notes. Yeah, this is a hell of a good fight. And at one point, Tomas has he's uh he's he's got Kung Lao on the ground and he's literally kicking Kung Lao in the ribs and Kung Lao's like moving across the ground as he's getting kicked. Yeah, hard like it looks hard kicks. He's gonna fucking like kill him, dude. I think like he's he's not letting up. And Taja like shouts out and distracts him for a second because she's like, you know, hey boyfriend, don't kill my friend Kung Lao, right? Kung Lao's like, oh cool, I love a distraction and kicks him. Exactly, yeah. Kung Lao like gets back to his feet and kicks him, and and so Tomas again was about to kick Kung Lao's ass, and Kung Lao was fired up in this fight again, showing the strength of that outworld guard burly citizen who should be competing in mortal combat because he almost took down the guy who almost took down kung lao if not for being distracted just saying i want to see brian e clark in the next mortal combat game brian e clark that's his real his real name is brian e clark not brian wraith uh wrath clark wrath clark well you didn't think his parents yeah. named him wrath i had this like i had to go back the reason i pause every time i say his name is because i had to change all my notes to say brian wrath clark after writing brian e clark like 10 times star trek the wrath of brian the wraith of brian the wraith of brain anyway hey, we forgot to mention anyway he says he's in that fight he says get ready to feel the wrath Oh yeah, he, sh- he sure does. That was his wrestling catchphrase, I'm sure. And then there's a rim shot. Anyway. 
But in this fight... Y'all ever heard of trampolines? It has that same fucking problem that Cold Reality had, that Dead of the Dragon had, where when they're ending on a climactic battle, they don't really know quite how to end it satisfying. Yeah, nothing really happens. They're just... The fight's not over, and Reptile just materializes for the first time. Yeah, someone who, to be clear, we still don't know anything about... (laughs) Yeah, he just pops up. He's decided this is his moment to attack. And he does a really silly pose as he spits acid at Kung Lao. CGI, big green CGI acid. And Tomas dives in front of it and takes the hit right on the fucking face. Yeah. And then Reptile just fucks off. And Reptile's like, and this is the, what that point with like the, when they talk at the end um, with Vorpax and, and Reptile. And they're like, yeah, this was great. We got one of them. The one that I was less worried about. And you know, to your point about a satisfying conclusion, it's just sort of like, why is this a suitable outcome? And given that that was literally that easy for Reptile to do, uh, why would Reptile not just wait a little bit more and, you know, take the chance at getting Kung Lao as well and just actually solve your problem? Because it appears to be very easy. Yeah, it was. He just one one acid shot. Straight to the dome. And uh, But now we know that Tomas is a good dude. And Tomas's face is melting off on the ground. Is looks like Nickelodeon gag. But you see the you see the skull underneath. That was pretty sick. <laughs> I think more gag should have skulls in it. It's a fatality. Like gag you can buy. Fatalities all over this fucking episode. Much like much like this fight scene, this podcast sure is kind of petering off at the end. <laughs> well, I mean, they're only giving us so much to talk about. Like yeah, like the ending is weird and lame, and so. Right. We're just going to be here like, oh, well, that was weird and lame. You're all totally right. There, any any one of these times where, like, uh, Reptile killed two two bar maidens from the shadows. He had he can hide. He can. He, why couldn't he just spit that acid? Like, just kind of hang out in the alley and then just like spit that acid when before Brian, fuck before Tomas got to, to <laughs> Fusion Applebee's. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could do it that are just more straightforward. Um, yeah. P- presumably, Reptile could have gotten to him before he met Kung Lao so that they wouldn't have been tipped off by it. Yeah, but then we, then we wouldn't get Vorpak shenanigans, which we want. And then he could have just and then he could have just gone to Zhu Zhen and like hit Kung Lao when he was just like walking home one night. Yeah, no, you're right. I will say, though, that um, at least this episode had the wherewithal to be like, well, this ending is weird and kind of anticlimactic and strange. So we're going to follow up with some stuff. and uh, with, a, with with at least one too many scenes. Yeah, too many. There's like three follow-up scenes. And uh, I will say, like, I like that there's genuine nuance and Kung Lao learning that lesson again that's more here than in the previous conversation about, like, bad things happen. And, like, you know, there's some nuance to whether or not Kung Lao was genuinely wrong were right in his gut instinct and the events that that led to but it's like it's more about growing from mistake and experience than it is about yeah like yeah you fucked this up because you know maybe he didn't help but this also wasn't his fault so um that felt nice and then obviously we get like the emperor wrap-up stuff that we've talked about enough that i don't feel like we need to bring it up again reptile goes home to zatera uh vorpax and the emperor go bang around in the emperor's bedroom which he says is yeah. a reward. And then uh, there's just a brief funeral thing yeah. where Taja gets like her emotional denouement, but it's like, did we have enough? Did we have enough of that for the scene to happen? Like, it, I, it, I don't know. It's getting fast tracked again. Yeah. It, like, yeah. I feel like to get something more out of that, that needed more 
space because I, I think like stuff with Ciro in this episode works when he's like more mature calmer he's more reasonable but he's still like as devoted committed and headstrong and like but he's yeah. using that combativeness towards something productive that feels like it works because we get a long series of time up to this point to see how Ciro usually is whereas yeah. uh and then Kung Lao is getting like meaningful lessons so we can see him grow over time because we know that he's learning these lessons over time. And this is, feels like a particularly important one as somebody who is not just a leader, but like on the ostensibly what is the good side. But with Taja, it's frustrating because A, it's just um, falling in love and it has to be re- directly related to a guy. And it's fast tracked through the episode and it barely gives her anything to do with that because this is a character that won't exist anymore. And so why not lean into some of her other traits that are established and we as viewers like and then give us something on top of that that can persist in the way that like Ciro and Kung Lao's changes seem to be persisting. Um, Whereas with stuff like Vorpax, it's a bit different because she's just like queen of playing both sides. And I imagine we'll yeah. get a little bit more of that later. Like, we know that's coming. Um, <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. Where at, yeah, so, like, it felt a bit less formulaic than typical. But in other ways, it, it felt more frustrating than typical. Like, Yeah. I don't know. I kind of liked... I did... it Again, it did feel rushed. I don't think we needed this scene with Kung Lao checking in with Raiden about everything. Because that, that time would have been better spent maybe with Kung Lao and Taja checking in with each other over what just happened, because that's, this is, this would surely have some kind of an impact on their relationship, right? Considering that Kung Lao was just trying to beat the shit out of, and then was there when Taja's new boyfriend got killed. Yeah. But but I am glad that they at least gave us this moment at the end with Taja, where she is, she is mourning over his, his body on this funeral pyre, and Raiden comes along and she's just, she's crying and she says that she was falling in love. And Raiden, instead of being After like a Raiden, day and a half. Yeah, but, you know, time is weird in Zhuzhen. For all we know, this entire show has happened in a month. Or a year. Or two years. We really have no idea. T- and Tears but, for two years. <laughs> and But Raiden just kind of like, like, he just knows. He's like, I'm not going to say anything. Taja needs this time and he leaves her alone and she's able to have a moment which we don't really get to see Taja having a moment but yeah and I, I agree with you that I don't it it didn't have to be in the context of her being sad over a boy it or in the last time we got to spend a lot of time with Taja it was her desperately trying to find her dad who is also a boy right and then when we got to see her bonding with Eva Mendez a couple episodes ago, they were talking about a boy. They were talking about Ciro. There is there is an issue with this show where all of Taja's moments are being defined by the people around her and not about like her herself. You know? Yeah. But like, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what we can get at least because at least this was an episode where she had stuff to. You do. know, I don't want to. Lo- <laughs> you know, like I'm just I don't want to lower the bar to that. I'm not. That's not enough for me at this point. And I get that, yeah, like, the show I is know. constrained, like I said earlier, by the context in which it was created. Um, but also, I don't want to get, I don't want to give it excuses. And um, right, no, we need better than that. Sorry, like we just do. I don't think we're gonna get it. That doesn't mean we don't need it. Yeah, I'm just 
saying. Then I'll continue to be mildly disappointed. I want to say, I think that you can have, you like, I think that relationships are and can be, you know, compelling and interesting ways to show character growth and positive character portrayals. I think that there was a lot of positive stuff in her interactions with Tomas. It didn't ever come off as problematic, which is a big step for the show. I, I understand the frustration of that being the thing that they chose to focus on. But, you know, I think that I think that there's there's room for that still. Yeah, there's, there's well, room for exploring romance. Yeah, no, in, there is, in... but not when we get multiple episodes where she barely gets to do anything and that everything else she has to do is specifically almost constantly related to what a man is doing. At that point, it's like, guys, right. pick it up a little bit here. Um, yeah, but okay. That said, the, the one last thing I've kind of been thinking about, I just kind of want to float this idea. I, I don't have an answer for this today, and frankly, we don't have the time. I'm still trying to understand how it is... I want to watch and enjoy this show and on what terms the show is expecting me to meet it on and like what the show is expecting of its audience. Cause it's like, sometimes I'll watch episodes and I'm like sitting up at my desk and I'm like taking really diligent notes and I'm treating it. Um, I don't want to say more seriously, but just like you're in a different mindset when you're watching something that way. And sometimes I'm in bed and I have my phone open and I'll occasionally take a note into my phone and I'm just watching it, not passively again, because, you know, I, I understand that I do a show about it. I have, I have to care, but I treat it more like a different kind of like comfort entertainment or easy entertainment almost. And the thing yeah. I'm trying to sort of figure out is like, A, to what extent is that influencing how I feel about a given episode? But it's also just I'm genuinely like having like a, an interesting time. Again, I don't have an answer or a thought about this. Like this is something we can get to later, but it's just like I'm trying to figure out what on what terms to meet this show as a viewer still. And that's interesting. It's just, yeah, I was just thinking about that a little bit. I wanted to float it out there so it was on our minds. I think you're supposed to meet it with the mindset of a 13-year-old Mortal Kombat fan. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, honestly, I think that that's, that's, that's yeah, the and that's target demo. True, but also, like, the target demo wouldn't be doing this show, so I think we're allowed a little bit of leeway in how we do that. I do just want to say one more thing. Mm. Um, I was excited to see Reptile. We are going to see more Reptile and more Reptiles in general. Reptile was my favorite character like when mortal kombat 2 came out and that's when mortal kombat really got on my radar and it was like a big deal i I, of course the ninjas looked like badasses and i wanted to play as the green ninja because he looked the coolest and i loved the fact that in the first mortal kombat game he was a hidden character and that his storyline is that he's been like observing all of the fights and shit from the background like using his cloaking and if you discovered him, you were able to fight him. I, I like that this that their introduction of Reptile in the show was, oh, he's hidden and he's just kind of skulking around and you get little glimpses of him here and there. And then he reveals himself to the heroes and then he pieces out. It felt like, you know, they were really trying to capture the idea of like the secret fighter, similar to how in the Noob Saibot episode, they were like, no, this is a hidden, this is a hidden fighter, hidden underground that you have to go seek out and complete a challenge to access those just kind of meta references to these video game characters i think that that stuff is really cool in the show that they're kind of like keeping that spirit of uh easter egg you know i just wanted to mention that because i'm a big reptile fan yeah no it's super cool this was a i think a pretty entertaining episode overall yeah several good fights and some new mortal kombat game shit and the debut in the 
a series of reptiles. So like, I don't know how high I'm scoring this one overall. It's not one that I particularly remembered heavily, but I was definitely pleasantly surprised when, when I sat down to watch it this morning. I was like, oh, that's right. This is where reptile enters. I was feeling it. Yeah, it was... Uh, I was entertained. Uh, yeah, it, it, like overall, I certainly think it's one of the better ones. I also think that every time the show pleasantly surprises me, like I want to reaffirm that I do have expectations of it to sometimes be better than it is, even if that may not bear itself out. Right, right, yeah. That, I mean, that, but that's your issue, you know? Well, it's also just <laughs> analyzing the show, because why not if we're going to sit here and talk about it for two hours? Right, there's definitely things about the show that I, I as, as I've had to look at it deeper in doing this podcast i've been like oh yeah you know what uh, yeah. that doesn't hold up too well i think it is meant for a little bit more sort of passive totally but i'm also not, wondering not deep analysis sure but well i mean you know you have to make everything with under the assumption that somebody might do deep analysis on it like that's just sort of you know people will deeply analyze anything i guess more what i mean is not necessarily specifically what the show is expecting but also like what am i expect like on what terms do i also want to meet the show i don't know i was just sort of thinking about it i don't have like a very clear laid out thing for it but i was just it was just on the mind on the dome i've got one uh little (laughs) bit of trivia about this that i found on imdb for twisted truths here Mm. you're gonna find these there's always trivia entries about the way that this show was released in other in certain video releases in certain markets. Certain home video releases presented this series in double-length episode format. You'll see that a lot in the IMDb trivias for any given episode. But this one, I just had to uh, point out, this episode was combined with episode eight, Undying Dream. That's the one where Taj is in the cobalt mines looking for daddy. Why would those be together? To form a double-length episode entitled TX, Taja Exterminator. What? Because in Terminator 3, she played the TX, but, the Terminatrix. But <laughs> but they they took the two Taja-heavy episodes and released them together on home video and called it TX Taja Exterminator. You can't see my face, <laughs> but I'm fucking baffled, like thoroughly baffled. What the fuck? What the fuck? Fucking why? What the fuck? This is not how that was intended to be seen. What the fuck? <laughs> these are these are the two Taja episodes. What the episodes. fuck, dude? I fucking hate that. Jesus Christ. I don't like that at all. Giving, That's bad. And then and then giving it a title that references a movie that Kristana Loken was in in 2003 is just kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> weird. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Should we start traveling uh, two towns west to investigate some murders? Yes. <laughs> Corey, you got anything to plug? Um, yeah, someday I'll have a plug that isn't just my other show, but for now it's mostly that, which is uh, they made another one, which I do with a friend of the show, Liam, and uh, we talk about sequels and reboots and remakes that people might not think a whole lot about sometimes. It's a, it's a good, fun show, and you can find it on Twitter at they made another. And uh, there's a letterbox at TMAO and a bunch of uh, all your podcast stuff. And I'm on Twitter too, but I don't really, eh, whatever, Mr. Corey Price. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Final Neil. I have a retro gaming account on Instagram at A Mess of Games. Going to be posting some cool Mortal Kombat shit pretty soon. Just completed my PlayStation 1 Mortal Kombat collection, so that's got to go up there. Bow, 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 bow. You can follow the show on Twitter at MKPodQuest. Subscribe to the show in your podcast app of choice. 
and uh, give us some good, good five-star reviews. And if you have any complaints about any of my hot takes on the show, uh, send them to at Mr. Corey Price on Twitter. Honestly, I'll take the engagement, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, that's it. Let's um, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's camouflage ourselves and scurry away like the reptiles that we are. Ugh. Rude. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> Why did I say it? Keep it in. Yeah. <sighs> all right, that's it. We're done. <laughs>